When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. Welcome to the Clubhouse. Oh, yeah, good everyone. It is Open Week. Julian Bard, Mark Allen with you with the Clubhouse right around Australia. Hey, Marco. G'day, Jules. How good is it? Just, oh, uh, just watching the golf all night. Coverage fantastic once again. Yes. And Rod Burke does look at the picture, I reckon. No mm-hmm. complaints earlier in the week. No yep. one's disappointed with the setup of the golf course. Although, I'll tell you what, Monday, Tuesday, and probably most of Wednesday, course had a bit of fire in it yes lots of bounce very dry i spoke to ashley hall who lost in a playoff to jordan spieth at the australian open after he had a couple of practice rounds and he was saying the hardest thing for them to do this week was to get the ball to stop on the fairways yep that won't be the case and as we've seen that's not the case anymore so it, it certainly opened up the field uh to probably the longer hitters and probably you know the guys who can hit the ball long and high yep where, you know, all those guys who are hitting it nice and low and just threading it and manoeuvring it around the hills and, and dog legs, um, yeah, it just probably worked against them fractionally. Yep. Just a bit. Yep. Anyway, it's always great. Open week's fantastic. It's fantastic. We'll have a full wrap next week, Marco, because yeah. depending on when you're listening now, it'll be either the second or the third round. Correct. Um, so across the weekend. That is correct. Uh, but always, it just it's fantastic to get the Irish Open, the Scottish Open, mm. and now the big one, the British Open. One, two, three, on your TV screens. And, mate, it's just, you know, it's what it's all about. And if you haven't, and I beg you, if, you know, if, you're, if your dream is just always to go across and, and play on Pete Dye courses or Augusta or, you know, Torrey Pines or Cypress, yep. Pebble Beach, Shinnecock Hills, those types of golf courses – You've got to go the other side of the Atlantic as well mm-hmm. because those British Isle courses, yeah. they are so much fun and they look so much better in, when you're there in person. You know, the TV, the angles are getting better. Every week we see better and better angles of, of what we're seeing. Yes. And the TV coverage certainly is a lot better yeah, and particularly with Shot Tracker, but that's another story. Oh. But if you haven't seen what they are like standing on the tee at <laughs> Turnbury or Muirfield or... Um, you know, St Andrews itself, Car Noosty, yep. and this week Royal Birkdale. You just don't know what you're missing. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I genuinely bucket list Marco to get over there and have a look around and just see what see what it's like. It just looks so so different from everything else you see. Around yeah, the, the first world. time I got over there, the first time I went over there to, to try and qualify was in 1993, and I had to play a qualifying at Littleston uh, course. In fact, you, you can see me in the background at one of the open things, and I'm just so angry because. Uh, I three-putted 17. The bloke I was playing with hold a bomb yeah. on 18, and he ended up qualifying and beating me by a shot, and I missed. But I, just, I remember walking on to the fairways at Littlestone and thinking, what's all the fuss about? You know, this ball's it's going to stop. I'll be able to p- 
you know, peeled yeah. my wedges it's, back it's and nine. seven irons back. And, you know, three holes into my practice round. <laughs> I'm trying to work out. Know, I'm jumping up and down on the greens going, why are they stopping? It's just, a, it's, it's actually so, not so much how hard the, the surface is. It's the grass and the way the ball reacts with that grass and the mm-hmm. sand and yep. the Lynx land. Do you know why they call it Lynx golf? Why is that, Mark? Righto. This is a good question because it's played on Lynx land, which is the land that links the ocean to farmland. So one, you know, farmers thought you can't actually do much there. It's a bit salty. It's you know, you can't plant your potatoes or whatever mm-hmm. the hell they want to plant there. So that was always vacant, and they just called it Lynx Land. Well, and that's prime real it's estate the land that links <laughs> the ocean to farmland, there and that's is. why we call it Lynx Golf. Now it's been a controversial um, week for you again, Marco, on social media. Why? Well, we had the issues last week with the um, boss of the yeah, Champions Tour <laughs> referee. Oh, mate. Good old fella, wasn't he? Wasn't he a nice guy? I saw on Twitter this week. He shut up pretty quick, by the way. Didn't he? Yeah, haven't Mm. heard from him again. Um, Old mate, Dan Jenkins. Oh, now, Dan Jenkins, what what has happened to this old man? So tell us about Dan Jenkins. Well, Dan Jenkins, once upon a time, would would have been the preeminent golf media type person. Right. You know, if he wrote something... It was picked up by every newspaper in the country. Yep. If he said something at a major tournament, we all listened. Yep. But year after year after year now, he's just gone south. He's mm. you know he's trying to. He's, he's a little trying to stay. It relevant. seems like he's trying to stay relevant. And his latest tweet this week. I mean, well, if you saw, read, read it out, George. This is if what you've he got said. it in front of. This is what he said. How can a course? Of course, he's talking about birthday. Dan, this is Dan, the great, the one. No, sorry, the once great. Dan Jenkins. How can a course that has provided such winners as Palmer, Trevino, Miller and Watson also have given us Ian Baker Finch? Ian Baker Finch, who shot 29 on the front nine of the last round to spread himself Mm. from the field and the bloke who shot 66-64 to win on the weekend. Mm. Um, Given so much to golf. Given so much to his commentary. Gives everybody his time. And Dan Jenkins. Not only did he forget all those, you know, see all those big names. Um, Dan, Peter Thompson yeah. won there <laughs> twice. So he's left Tomo off that yeah. list and then he's desecrated Ian Baker Finch's name yeah. like like he's a pleb. Yeah. What a sick, disgusting germ of a thing to do by somebody who I used to rate as a person and, and someone I used to listen to when they yeah. spoke about golf. Yeah. It's just mean I mean, what? And, and you wrote, you did fire back, which your tweet's gone viral, by the way. Did it? Trending. Oh, Pathetic good. Dan, I rated you once. Now you're just a germ. Tommy pissed off you old, tired old man. You let us say pissed off on the radio? I think so. Yeah, right. Well, that's fair enough. That's how I felt at the time. Um, yeah, he just smacks of an old guy. Someone old, withering away, and doesn't get the modern game. You know, if you're going to play, and I think this is the 11th time an Open's been at this golf, tour, at, at this golf course, at this venue, um, you know, in... 50 years' time when it's been played there 20 times, Dan, you're not just going to get champion after champion of the game. Mm. You know, legend of Hall of Fame types yeah. win on one golf course. I mean, Please. if if you looked at a golf course and saw only champions there, then it doesn't mean that only champions can win there. Yeah, it's just yeah. nice why to have them on there, the leaderboard. It's just an old goose. Why is hatred and talk like that around Ian Baker Finch all the time, Marco. Can you, um, for those who people who might be from a younger generation who might have only heard his commentary work and not know and yeah. not known about the sort of player he was, can you yeah, tell look, people about that? I think I think people look at Ian Baker Finch what happened after. Mm. 
and they go, oh, you know, he, he lost he lost his game completely. Yep. It's only because Ian Baker Finch took a punt. You know, he was number seven in the world when he won that British Open. Yep. And he was a big man who didn't hit the ball a long way. And in his eye, he thought if he could pick up an extra 20 yards, which players were doing with, you know, with, with what was going around at the time uh, as far as swing was concerned. Mm-hmm. If he could pick up 20 yards, he'd go from number seven in the world to number one in the world. And that was reasonable to assume because when I say he didn't hit the ball very far, he hit the ball nowhere. Mm. You know, he was not a long hitter when you compared, you know, guys of his era, Seve, Langer, uh, Mark Kalkovecchia was around that time and, mm-hmm. and, and doing well. Uh, the Shark, of course. Um, Nick Faldo probably hit it 15 yards past him and Nick was very average. Yep. So the thinking was, you know, let's do it. Well, you know, these days if it was the same Finchie, because you look at the swing that he had, it was sensational. Yeah. He probably would have just got in the gym and worked his core. and yeah. But he wouldn't have changed the swing because his swing was really, really, really good. And he was the best wedge player you'd ever seen. And he had confidence when he putted and chipping and bunkers all came very natural natural to him. But he was a beautiful wedge player. That was the strength of his game. So he, he starts thinking if he can have more wedges in, then, you know, he might shoot a shot around different. And a shot around doesn't sound like much, but, you know, mm, he, he goes from winning overall. to finishing probably eighth. Yeah. So all these eighth place finishes, you know, they go to wins and that changes everything. He might have got to number one, two or three in the world. But look, he, it's easy to look back in the rear vision mirror um, and say that he did the wrong thing. But uh, changing that swing probably wasn't necessary. Just getting stronger probably was. Yep. Probably was. So, you know, back in an era when we didn't know too much, um, it's probably if Finchie grew up today and was in the gym early and worked on that core and, you know, got that golf swing of his perfect at an yeah. early stage, Finchie could have been anything. Yeah. You know, he, when, when he first got on tour, he had a really high golf swing and he used to hit these really weak cuts and he went to Peter Thompson, who was, you know, right yeah. around the place at the time and probably just hung up the boots and Tomo got him swinging on a hill. So he made Finchie practice with the ball a foot above his feet to try and flatten his swing. So when his swing flattened, then he actually started hitting the ball without the big cut. Yeah. And you know as well as anybody these days, if you've got a big cut with the old ball, yeah. it took off so much. I mean, oh, yeah. it didn't go anywhere. That's why in the old days, people wanted to hit the ball with a draw because yes. there was less spin with the driver and the ball actually did go further. But now you look at Johnny Rahm and you look at uh, Dustin, Dusty. Dusty, you look at all the big names, yep. Bubba, uh, Bubba. Uh, you look at uh, Sergio Garcia, all mm-hmm. the guys who really drive the ball well, because of the equipment and the golf ball, their fades are going just as far as anyone yep. else's draws. Yep. So <laughs> it's just, you know, the ball doesn't spin with the fade anymore. And, yep. you know, and, and again, I've explained it to you a, long, a lot. But if you're hitting fades, the club face doesn't have to roll through impact. So if the club face stays squarer through impact, you're going to be a more consistent player yep. and a more accurate player. And if you can get that same club head speed without the club face rolling then you're not losing distance because you hit a fade because we've got golf equipment these days that says, you know what? You don't have to spin the ball that much when you hit a fade these no. days. And there is no rise. You know, when you watch the shot tracker behind a Dustin Johnson, there's hardly any rise. No. Johnny Rahm, he's a freak. You know, he, <laughs> he, there is no It's actually more of a dome when you see the, you know, the shot tracker bef- behind John Rahm. So the game has changed a lot. Um, Peter Thompson, five-time champ. Uh, of this tournament that, that's on this week. Everyone knows that. Um, he had a lot to do with Ian Baker-Finch. And I reckon Dan Jenkins 
I, I, I don't know what he'd be thinking now. Now, as a poor tweet, as a poor tweet, as a rubbish tweet. Why would you do that, Paul? No game. He's going to be walking around. He's going to be commentating this week. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's Finchie do? I actually got in contact with Finchie, and he uh, he told me that he's just not even he's not even going to bother. Even if he sees him this week, he's just he's not even going to bother. So good good on you, Finchie. Good and a great ambassador, I think, right now every week for Australian golf. Oh no doubt. And. the type of people we want to have in golf, no doubt. And what a gun he was, mate. Speak. Sorry, yeah, I was just gonna say, what a gun he was. That yep. that 29 he shot in the front Ooh, nine yep. to win on the last day, playing with Marco Mira yep. back in 1991. That sort of golf we hadn't seen. Speaking of um, Peter Thompson, too, Marco, yeah, he's played in the wind a little bit during the week and uh, swing with ease. Oh, yes, yes, and did, yeah, and, and great, good, good, good mate, stuff, much better. Did you tee the ball up a little higher? Uh, That's what. No, no. Next time, try that. Yeah. Like I said, because if 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 you actually hit the ball with the top of your driver, that's even though it's not the sweet spot. Yeah. That's the length spot, because even less spin. Yeah. So, yeah. The the only time you see players tee the ball down these days is when they want to be really accurate, mm. because there's less movement of your spine coming up. Mm-hmm. But if you actually want the ball to go further because of a less spin factor. Yeah, you know the players into the wind these days are teeing it right up, right? And you know sometimes they tee it down when they don't want the ball to go left. Yes, that's the that's the advantage of teeing the ball down these days. Okay, it's just uh, you're rolling when the ball is teed low, rolling the club face. Mm. Naturally, you don't want to do it if you've hit thousands of balls. Um, so you'll see you'll see a lot of golfers, a lot of pros, even though they're going to spin the ball more when they tee it down low. The ball won't go left as much, so they take that risk. They might lose ten yards with the tee ball teed down low, but yep. hopefully Accuracy it's not going to go further left. Yes, yeah. it is more accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if if there's no if there's no reason to worry about going left, then into the wind doesn't matter whether it's a six club wind or a ten club wind or a two club wind. Teed high, catch the ball a little bit high on the club if you're good enough, and watch that ball not spin and just yep. dome all the way down that fairway. Love it. Perfect. Got another question after the break for you about moving the ball in the air, Marco. I yeah, right, ask eh? you. And we're also going to hear from a couple of the players' uh, press conferences, which we like to do. I love hearing what they... of the majors. Yeah, I love so. hearing what they had to say before the tournament yep. and then watching what actually happened. That's it. So stick around. Plenty more to come on the Clubhouse. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the Clubhouse. Yeah, welcome back. It is the Clubhouse. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you, talking all things golf right around Australia. You can podcast this show each and every week. Get all Marco's tips and analysis. Just search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes. Now, Marco, I was playing during the week, as we mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit earlier. At Beacon Hills? Yes, yes, I was playing out there. Now, um, lots of trees, lots of trees, lots of overhanging branches. Yep. And if you miss the fairway, you've got to be a little bit more creative. Yeah. Marco, which I think a lot of people would find on their local track. Yeah. Um, in terms of punching the ball low to keep it away from branches or having to move the ball from right to left or left to right to try and get in the it up air. towards the green once the ball's in the air. So say you might have I don't know, 120, 130 metres into the green. But you've got to hit a low one. branches above you. And cut it. And cut it or, or hook, it. hook it and keep the ball low enough still to try yeah. and get it up around the green so you can try and get up and down. It's funny, you know, when you, when you go and watch some of the pros warm up, um, I, I would say 50% of them, 
uh, would hit these little low shots mm. just to keep their eye in because they don't have them all the time, but they're really handy. And yeah. if you half practice them, then you can be very, very good at them. And we've all seen the pros on the telly. You know, they're in the trees and they've got a restricted backswing. Yep. They've got to hit, you know, 120 metres and they, you can see them cutting with a 7-iron. Yep. The best let, – let's just talk about turning the ball first because yep. this is really okay. important. They, sometimes you gotta, you're, you're asking to do two things, keep it low yes. and turn it. So – I always tell people it's exactly the same as if you've got a table tennis ball. If you're trying to get the ball to move left to right, yes. feel yourself Slice what you would do with a table tennis ball. Throw the ball up and cut it. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same motion you use when you're trying to cut it with a golf ball. And then if you're trying to move the ball right to left, and sorry left-handers, but I'm, I'm talking right-hand language mm-hmm. here, it's exactly the same. Find you feel feel yourself, you know, pretend, throw up the table tennis ball and make the motion to get the ball to move right to left. It, it's very, very simple. Now, if you are trying to cut it and keep it low under branches, and, and like you're, what you're saying is true, if you're in the trees quite often, you've got a restricted swing and you can't hit the ball straight up because the branches are underlying. So one, you've got to hit a seven iron probably to yep. keep it low. Short backswing is key, mm-hmm. but you've also got to make that table tennis type motion with your right hand. Mm. It's very now the right hand controls the low punch. It really does. It's very very important. So when when you're doing these shots, it's important to push your hands forward as well. So push your hands towards the target, and the angle that the shaft and your right forearm makes. If you're trying to cut the ball, that forearm and shaft angle won't change through impact. Really important. So your your hand will actually stay back. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to hook it, well, there's kind of two ways to do it. You can roll the hands, which is, you know, mm-hmm. that's where the power comes from. Yep. But the way that I like to do it, if you're trying to hook a shot, and it's more accurate, is actually close the club face in your grip. So grip the club right. face and you roll the grip and you turn the club face. And then you can actually make the same motion to keep it low. You can put the hands forward. And that shaft and forearm angle that you create by pushing the hands forward, that doesn't, that doesn't change. And I, f- I find that that is a more accurate way of hitting low punches under trees. But don't use the 7-iron, close the face with a 9-iron. Mm. So, yeah, so, or even, a, even a pitching wedge. Yeah. I think you'll find most people, you can't really hook a ball with a sand iron, like yes. a 53-degree to 54, to a lob wedge. You, you don't get much purchase on the spin. But if you close the face of a pitching wedge, nine iron, eight iron, certainly, you know, I think the eight irons, if you, that's the that's the one. If yeah, you've got I'm to hit a the massive hook, if you've yeah. got to hit a massive hook. Is if you want to turn the ball as much as you possibly can, then I think an eight or a nine iron, maybe a seven iron, that range, yep. they're the ones that you can do magic with mm. if you're a pro. And, and you know, when you when you're trying to hook it as much as you possibly can, then you close the club face in your hands and you roll your wrists. And you can make some magic, but if you just if it's just a little draw or a little fade, then I'm I'm a big believer that the shaft angle between the shaft angle and your forearm of your right forearm that doesn't change through impact. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that with a closed club face, and you want the ball to turn right to left, then you'll get the same degree of accuracy because in reality, the club's not rolling. Yep. So you can become so, very good at it. So you wouldn't make any adjustment to your backswing so so much Marco or is that is that oh, yeah, well, it's a way? shorter backswing yeah yeah you make but a shorter backswing a lot of people probably look at their backswing if they are trying to hit a fade and take their swing further out, out. Yeah, or can... if they're hitting a, a hook 
bringing it behind you a little bit more and then trying to bring the club around and that uh, yep. closes off the face as much. Now, what you're saying is absolutely spot on. There, there, there are many ways to hit cuts. So one is just to hold the blade open and, and the ball will cut. Yep. Two, to take it outside and cut across it, mm-hmm. like the table tennis shot, that yep. will cut. Three, you can actually just change your grip and hit a shot. You know, really weaken the grip off with both hands and the ball will cut. And the same with the hooks as well. You know, you can strengthen your grip. You know, Colin Montgomery, even though he's the worst bloke I've ever met, oh. ever in my whole life, all he used to do. But he, oh, and, I'll but, have to but that in a minute. But <laughs> but he's one of the best hitters of a golf ball that's ever lived. All he used to do for hooks and fades was change the grip. Mm. Left hand strong, he did a draw. Left hand weak, he did a fade. So it can, some people they simplified a lot, yep. but when you're hitting the little shots. Like we're talking about, sometimes you've got to take it outside like you're talking about yeah. okay. to make it move just the right way. But everyone will be different depending on how you grip the club in the first place, uh, depending whether you're a high ball hitter or a low ball hitter, depending on what sort of rough you're hitting out of because mm-hmm. that's the other one. You've got to be able to diagnose the lie. So if it's on a sandy area and there's no grass behind the ball, you can almost do whatever you like providing you hit the ball cleanly. Mm-hmm. But if you're in like American rough, then no, you can't. you sort of can't do much at all. If you're in our sparse rough, dry sparse rough that we have in this country, there's just a little bit of grass behind the ball, yep. then, yeah, you can you can get a bit of purchase right. and do either way. So there's a lot to it. That only comes with practice. That only comes with knowing your grasses. Um, and and really only comes with those feels that you generate from playing round after round. There, there's no, there is no replacement for actually just being good at something. (laughs) And you'll find that if you have done the tiniest bit of practice, you can manipulate what you know on the practice range to what you know when you're on the golf course and the different roughs and the different surfaces and lies. You might be in a footprint. Who knows in the rough? You might be, you know, you'll know. You'll be able to know by looking at the lie what is possible and what is not possible. So there's a bit to it, but the basics, just go back to the table tennis ball. You want the ball to cut, just imagine what your hand does. If you want the ball to draw, imagine what your hand does with the table tennis paddle and the table tennis ball yeah. on, you know, at home on a table tennis table. Full report. Pretty simple. Full report from my round next week, Marco, because I will almost guarantee that I'll find myself in the trees needing to play a cut ball, <laughs> a low punch. Well, yeah, I do too. Every right round there. these days, I'm doing something from the trees. Yep. In fact, hopefully, hopefully all the golf courses around the place because um, recovery is one of the most exciting parts of golf. Yes. And there's nothing worse than having a wooded golf course and no one's tended to the trees ever. Mm. And the branches are hanging down low. And because the branches are hanging down low, no one can mow the grass underneath the branches. And not only does that take recovery out of the game, but it makes golf slow. It makes the golf course look like garbage. There's a whole bunch of reasons for cleaning up trees, making it interesting, hitting recovery shots, and getting people to enjoy their game. Looking for golf balls, no one wants to do it. No one likes that. The penalty of trees should only be that you've got to manoeuvre a golf ball out of the trees. Yep. There shouldn't be a penalty of losing the ball because you didn't quite see where it went as well. That's right. So committees, if you're listening, get on to it and fix the problem, for goodness sakes. <laughs> now, yes. before we get to a break, yes. Colin Montgomery could be the worst bike in the world. Yes. <laughs> We're not going to let that pass. <laughs> I'll tell you about Colin next week. Oh, next I'll week. give you a few. I, I, I played... One uh, the round of golf I played with Colin yeah. in the nineteen ninety two Australian Open, I've got fifteen rubbish bloke stories. <laughs> so I reckon from 
we'll just pick them off, all right? We'll the next the, 15 episodes. The top five. The next 15 episodes, I'll give you one story <laughs> from that one round of golf that Colin Montgomery did. Oh, no. We'll start next week. We have to run them past the legal team. We'll start first, next I week. Think. <laughs> It's all right. It's just my opinion. I'm not broadcasting it as fact. It's just my opinion, folks. I love it. Plenty more Clubhouse still to come. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse. Right around Australia, Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you as we talk all things golf. Now, Marco, we love uh, in the week of a major tournament, just taking a listen back to some of the best names and getting their thoughts and uh, their opinions on the golf course, how their game is going, just so we can have a listen to, to what they're thinking about the upcoming uh, British Open. Let's start with the best golfer from Australia in the world right now, Jason Day. Let's take a listen. This has always been one of those uh, that we, one of those weeks that has always been kind of a little bit, a little bit tough for me um, with my major performances. Um, my best finish, obviously, at St Andrews in 2015, uh, finishing tied fourth there. Um, I'm looking forward to this week. Obviously, it's uh, you know a nice, tough golf course. I, I got hit Monday morning. I didn't come out Monday, and then I, I played 18 holes Tuesday and um, played in a southeast wind, which is a totally different wind to what we uh, you know what we normally get here. And um, I think everything's kind of switching for tomorrow's round. So. It's going to be kind of a new golf course for me tomorrow. But um, regardless, I'm looking forward to trying to get back into the winner's circle this year, and hopefully I can do that this week. If you take my years, 2015 and 2016, I hit it long and straight, um, straightish. Um, I hit my iron shots were a lot closer, and I hold everything on the greens. And this year, it's not as long, it's not as straight. Um, the iron shots aren't as close and I'm not holding as many putts as I usually do. So it's a perfect formula for not having a good year. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think um, I just got to keep working at it. Uh, the hardest thing is, you know, being able to take your own advice sometimes. Um, it's so easy to give advice out. Um, and unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to take your own advice sometimes. And uh, my advice is to be as patient as possible and um, you know, just keep ticking the boxes, uh, and hopefully the, you know, the work and and the workload pays off in in the long run. I mean, it's really in today's world, in sports in general, it's very easy to kind of shoot yourself in the foot a little bit. Whereas, and you know, you want things to happen really quickly because it's kind of like the flavor of the week. Whoever wins that week is everyone wants to talk about it. But you go. To the tournament next week, no one wants to, you know, talk about what who won last week, and you know they only want to talk about you know the person that's winning this week. So um, I've got to be patient with myself and and hopefully just let things happen. There he is, Jason Day, talking about this week's uh, Open Championship. Next is Dustin Johnson. Keen to hear from him. Has been in some sensational form throughout the season. Uh, not so much of late, but uh, still hitting the ball pretty well. Let's take a listen back to Dustin Johnson. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling good. I feel like the game's starting to get you know, back to where it was. Um, you know, I'm definitely, uh, you know, hitting it a lot better. I feel like the the putters, you know, starting to, to roll a little bit better. I mean, that was, I mean, really the only the only thing that, you know, at, at Mirafield at, at Jack's tournament and then at uh, the U.S. Open, I mean, it was really just putting. I'm, but, you know, after the injury at Augusta, you know, I spent a lot of time working on my swing and, you know, kind of not much time working on the short game. So, you know, that was not, 
not by design, but it just kind of how it went. And so, you know, I just I struggled a little bit on the greens um, at Memorial and at the U.S. Open. But, um, you know, the putter feels good. You know, I'm starting to, you know, to roll it a lot better and, you know, got a lot of confidence in it. So, you know, everything's feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I, I really like the golf course. Um, you know, obviously, it's my first time here, but I got over here early. I got here on Saturday. And um, so I've gotten a lot of practice practice on the course. And, you know, I feel like it sets up well for me. You know, it's, uh, you know but it's like any, any open championship. You got to, you know, you just got to control your golf ball. If you can do that, you know, you can, you can get around here and, and shoot some good scores. Dustin Johnson chatting ahead of the Open this week. And before we get to a break, Rory McIlroy, perhaps one of the local heroes who will be able to get the job done over there this weekend. Let's take a listen back to his thoughts on his game and some recent injuries that he's had to overcome ahead of the Open. It's been a while since I've been back here. I played the, the British Amateur Championship back in 2005. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a while, but it's, I mean, what a fantastic golf course. I, I definitely rate it among the, you know, the top three on the open in the open rotation, if not you know the best course that, that we play out of the out of the rotation, it's uh, tests all aspects of your game. You got to drive it well. You got to you got to be smart. You have to you know everything. It sort of challenges every every aspect of, of your game. So um, so yeah, you know it's 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 good to be back. I've I've done some good work over the past few days, and just looking forward to getting out there tomorrow afternoon and, and get, getting getting going. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, it's been a very stop-start year. You know, it hasn't been the year that I that I had planned. You know, going back to to January and feeling like I was in a good place with my game. Um, but you know, these things sort of crop up out of nowhere, and they 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 challenge us. And you know, it it is what it is. I mean, I'm I'm you know sticking to to what I know, which is. Working, working hard on my game and, and trying to, you know, feeling like I'm doing the right things and just trying to stay as patient as possible and, and enjoy the, the process of, um, you know, of trying to improve and trying to get better and, and trying to prepare for tournaments and hit the shots that I'm going to need for that week. And um, hasn't quite happened for me over the past couple of weeks, but, you know, it doesn't, as I keep saying, it doesn't feel that far away. So, uh, and because I haven't played that much, the only thing I can really do is take some sort of confidence from what I'm seeing in practice and sometimes that that doesn't quite translate to what happens on the course and um, that's sort of been the case for the last uh, you know few few months but obviously it's been hard to to get any sort of momentum with an injury and not being able to practice as much as you'd like so um, but no I'm 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 in good spirits I feel like it's all coming together and I'm just waiting for that that round or that moment or that week where it sort of clicks and, and, and I'll be off and running. You know, I've, I've had little periods like this before in my career and I've been able to bounce back from them and um, I'd say I was in worse positions than this. I feel like my games and, you know, it's, it's, it's all, the pieces are all there. It's just about trying to, trying to fit them together. There he is, Rory McIlroy. Still plenty more to come on the Clubhouse. Marco, you've got a masterclass up next. Really looking forward to this one. Stick around, everyone. This is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Marco's Masterclass. Uh, and we finish the show each and every week with a free golf lesson from the number one teacher in golf on radio. His name is Mark Allen. He's the co-host of the Clubhouse. So congratulations. You've tuned in at the perfect time to get a free golf lesson. Marco. Ernie Els, two-time US Open champ, two-time British Open champ mm. as well. One time he beat Adam Scott when Adam Scott was four shots up with four holes to play. That's right. And it was kind of given the claret jug. And Another one... time, yeah. 
He was in a playoff with three others, one yeah. Frenchman and two Aussies, Steve Elkington mm-hmm. and Stuart Appleby. So he's there's been Australian involvement in both his open triumphs. Yep. So on the back of Ernie Els... He also five-putted the first hole at Augusta. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> on the back of Ernie Els, who's not the worst bloke I've ever met in golf. In Ooh. fact, he's probably one of the best. Yeah. Likeable. In fact, without question, he's the most likeable South African person yep. in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone else as likeable uh, from South Africa as Ernie Els. Yeah. Trying to think of the sport, a sportsman. No, nah, he's yeah. number one, mate. Yep. He's enough. number one. On the back of Ernie Els, and, and when you watch Ernie Els play golf, one... He looks like a centre-half forward. Like, he's massive. Yeah. He's a big man. Yeah. When, I, when he first came out, he was 6'3". Now he's 6'5". He kept on growing. But he had the most rhythmical, beautiful golf swing that I reckon we've all seen. Mm. Him and probably Fred Couples and not many others. Just were just It was just glorious yeah. to watch the way he played. And he had a really simple way of, of keeping his rhythm. Um, early in his career, when he was a kid, it was just one. He used to count on the practice range out loud. One, to get the club started. Two, when he got to the top. And three, when he hit the ball. And you say it out loud. And if you can't say it, you're swinging too hard. Mm-hmm. But then you know what happened? David Ledbetter, who coincidentally is the PGA of America Teacher of the Year this year, he changed the one, two, three to... Ernie L's. <laughs> so it's like two syllables. So he got rid of Ernie one. L. So it's yep. one, two, three. And there is nothing funnier than actually standing close to Ernie <laughs> oh, no. and hearing he him say actually that. say he do- I don't believe Ernie it. L's he doesn't say it. when he's warming up. There's no way. Nothing funnier in that, golf. You're making that up. You have only, to be making that up. He, he goes back to one, two, threes. <laughs> he goes back to one, two, threes. <laughs> But if you are having trouble with your rhythm or if you're having trouble um, with your arms falling behind your body, which a lot of people do, if you're having trouble uh, trying to get a little pause at the top, a little baby pause at the yeah, top. The Matsuyamas. The one, two, three, or the Ernie L's. <laughs> works a treat. <laughs> if we, if it I works play, a treat. If I go to the practice range on Tuesday, Marco, mm-hmm. and there are people yelling out, Ernie L's no, no. all day. <laughs> <laughs> what would be disturbing is if you go down there and it's, Julian <laughs> Bayard. <Yeah. laughs> that would be disturbing, Jules. The five syllables is making my swing really slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's a good one. The next, try it. If, you, if, you, if you're playing this morning yes. and you're going to hit a few balls to warm up, either in the net or, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a nice big driving range and a, mm-hmm. and a bucket of balls, just try it on the wedges. Yeah. Just say, just say it really quietly so no one else can hear. Otherwise, they'll think you're an idiot. Yes. Ernie Els. Yep. Ernie Els. It works a treat. Yep. You'll find you'll go back slow. You'll find you'll pause at the top, mm-hmm. and there won't be a mad rush at the ball on the way down. I find the um, watching golfers, Marco, no better people in golf have a better rhythm than the women. Oh, yeah, the that's rhythm, fantastic. Like, you sit there and watch women's golf, mm. and the swing is just so easy, yep. so fluid, yep. and they just absolutely flush it every mm. single time. And you go, how on earth oh, are no. they making it look that easy? Yeah, well, it looks... Yeah, you know, golf. When you pick up a golf club and you swing it over and over and over, it's actually a pretty heavy thing. Yeah, I mean, I would rather be hit by a cricket bat than a golf club, personally. Mm. That that's me. I mean, it's pretty heavy, yeah. and that iron bit on the end. I mean, that can generate some some real power. So you actually, because men are physically strong and can control the club, mm-hmm. um, they take advantage of it way too much, yeah. and they just hack away at the ball. Where the ladies, 
generally speaking, aren't nearly as strong, and they are forced to swing so have rhythmically. A great rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's why it happens. That's why kids. I mean, if you got if you got kids and you know they're uh, showing any sporting, even if they're not, when they pick up a golf club, kids because they're so heavy golf clubs, even the kids ones that are really light. You know, they get to the top and the club actually lags by itself. Yeah. And that's why they pick it up so quick because because the club's so heavy, the club itself swings into the right positions. Yeah. And they don't have much control. And, you know, if they start playing a lot of golf, then by the time they're 25, that's the only way they know how to play. This makes it perfect for them. Yeah, that's why golf is one of those games. If you give a kid a chance early, just get him to hold the club right, the club's weight itself will turn that kid into a good player. Yep. All right. Good on you, Good Jules. Good tip, Marco. I like it. Good Bit tip. of rhythm. Bit of rhythm. Remember, Ernie Els, Ernie not Julian Bayard. Els. Ernie Els. <laughs> hey, Ernie we'll have a full wrap Els. of the uh, the Open next week. You betcha. Looking forward to that. Uh, stick around for the news for all the latest scores, depending yep. on when you're listening across the weekend. So uh, Another good one, too. Do the Ernie Els on bunker shots, too. Too oh, many yes. people, short, short back swings and bunker shots don't work. Try it. Ernie Els in the bunkers as well. It'll force you to swing nice and long in the bunkers. <laughs> I'm going to try that this week. See you, mate. Apologies to anyone I'm playing with when I'm yelling at Ernie Els. Julian Bayard. In the back swing. Julian Bayard. <laughs> See you next week, Marco. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.